This is what's becoming prevalent in organizations is to survey your employees and ask them, you know, how much psychological safety do you, do you feel? And again, part of that is I won't be punished for making mistakes. And, you know, if you make that a goal for supervisors to drive that number higher, then you're going to get into trouble if you really push it really high. And, you know, my sense talking to practitioners is that they think they should be pushing it higher. It's a good thing. Um, and you should have more psychological safety. And, you know, I think other people, maybe people with your confirmation bias, maybe have a different different view on this or looking at a different set of issues, maybe think that, uh, you know, consequences kind of do matter. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, president of Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. And this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. Last month, I came across an article on the Harvard Business Review website with the intriguing title, Can Workplaces Have Too Much Psychological Safety? Probably because I suffer heavily from confirmation bias, I read the article and it made a lot of sense. And joining me today to discuss the article is its co-author, along with Liat Eldor, Peter Capelli. Peter is the George W. Taylor Professor of Management at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School and Director of Wharton's Center for Human Resources. In addition to contributing to the Harvard Business Review, he is a regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal and writes a monthly column for HR Executive Magazine. His most recent book is Our Least Important Asset, How a Relentless Focus on Finance and Accounting is Bad for Employees and Business. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Peter. Thank you. First, I'm going to read your most recent book and invite you back on to defend that premise. Uh, I, okay. I, I, you probably make a really good argument, uh, and I think probably better than what I normally hear from uh, from folks who who suggest that we shouldn't be overly focused on the bottom line. But let's start this conversation by defining our terms. Okay. At the beginning of your article, you noted how academic concepts like psychological safety, once released in the real world, take on broader definitions. You use the example of employee engagement, and I totally agree there. And I'd add to it other terms like intersectionality or critical race theory. Those have come up in our previous conversations here around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of conversations. So what's the popular definition of psychological safety, and how does that differ from the academic definition? Well, I think the popular definition, unfortunately, is kind of all over the place. And that's part of the issue, right? People are using the term meaning different things by it. They all think they're agreeing, but in fact, they're probably not because they mean different things by it. But, you know, the uh, it's probably easier, if you don't mind, to, to if I start with the academic one oh, great, and then yeah. and then tell you about the practical one. So the academic definition, which goes back for half a century or more, was really around the idea of creativity. And that is, you know, to be creative, you have to take risks. And if you take risks, the problem is you could be wrong. And if you think you're going to be punished for being wrong, then you probably are not going to be willing to be very creative 
uh, and to take risks. It, you know, sort of a completely sensible thing. And the idea of psychological safety referred to one particular type of negative response, and that is what it's known as interpersonal harm. And what that means is people make fun of you, they ridicule you, they um, isolate you in various ways. Inside the group, you know, they are broadly defined being mean to you. And so if you think people are going to ridicule you for a bad idea, you don't raise it. So that's the academic idea about psychological safety. I think the practical idea is, has spilled over to all kinds of areas where um, maybe you think that negative consequences are going to be troublesome. Like, you know, I don't want to speak up uh, if I think I'm going to be punished for saying the wrong thing. Maybe in a bad way, uh, I don't raise my hand uh, enough um, when there are real problems, you know, the building's on fire or, or air, air traffic, it was a problem for a while where junior officers wouldn't speak up because, you know, they were afraid the captain's going to yell at them and things like that. So the practical issue is it's spilled over from situations where there is uh, need for creativity and it's spilled over from thinking about interpersonal harm to all kinds of negative consequences, right? And I think that's where the problem comes. And that problem primarily comes from managers or supervisors who are, because the organization's focusing on psychological safety and using that kind of terminology, those managers, supervisors may coddle employees who who don't perform at the level you want, or, or, or when you say it's a problem, what, yeah. what, what are those issues? Right. No, I think that, and that is the heart of the question here. I think the issue is it's easy to confuse uh, psychological safety and the interpersonal harm issue with just negative consequences, right? Okay. And there are lots of jobs where we don't want people to be particularly creative. You know, you might very well want your doctors and nurses to be creative when they're thinking about how to redesign things in the hospital or things like that. But when they're, you know, inserting an IV in you, you don't want them to be creative. You don't want the radiologist being creative with the films. You know, there are procedures, there are rules, there are practices, and you want people to comply. And you don't want variations from those practices to be things that people feel safe about. I mean, there's very little idea or reason for interpersonal harm that is ridiculing people. But I think there are times where negative consequences are perfectly understandable. You know, if you have employees who don't follow the rules on things, it shouldn't be too surprising to have negative consequences. But, you know, some of the measures used to assess whether you have psychological safety are really ones that talk about being free from negative consequences too. And I think the, the concern is that if you just focus on psychological safety, it is easy for practitioners to confuse those issues and to start thinking that, you know, I really want my people to feel like, you know, they're just not going to be punished for things. Um, and, you know, that's probably not really what you want. You want them to feel free to speak up when you need to be creative, but you want them to follow the rules too. Yeah, compliance is, 
you know, one of the many jobs of, of leaders, right? Ensuring that our quality consi- continues on the at the same level or improves, but our quality is defined by the consistency of our output and and you know making sure that we meet the specifications of whatever the the objective of the effort is and you sometimes often that means putting tab a and slot a over and over again rather than reinventing the wheel yeah so we did a little look uh, at the department of labor's website the onet which some of your listeners probably know about and this is you know, a place that's done kind of national job analysis, looks at the uh, characteristics of jobs. And you could look at the ones where creative disposition and things are really important. And it's an incredibly small number of jobs. It's like 26 out of 900, something like that. You know, it's really quite small. So, you know, the idea of trying to create environments to make that happen across lots of jobs is probably not, you know, really where we want to be spending our time. So you mentioned measuring psychological safety. How does one measure somebody's lack of fear of interpersonal harm if they speak up and make a suggestion or do, you know, have a creative uh, thought? Yeah, well, there are surveys that are broadly used and, and they, you know, one of the items in these surveys is I won't be punished for making mistakes, right? And um, if you were to score high on that, suppose I have a work team that believes I won't be punished for making mistakes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you don't probably want people to go around feeling that they're constantly going to be whacked if they do something wrong. But it's also easy to imagine a situation where if people feel they won't be punished for making mistakes, um, that they're probably not going to be paying quite as much attention to most of their tasks, which are about following rules and compliance, right? So, you know, it's an important thing to do if you want people to be creative, but we don't want them to be creative very often. And so creating a workplace that might be well-suited for creativity is great if you're an advertising team, but it's not so good if you're doing most of the work that most of us do all the time. So what was it specifically that you and your colleagues were setting out to study with regard to psychological safety? What were the parameters of, of your effort? Well, I think this was came from me, and it came from me because I'm not a psychologist, and you know, the field of psychology is, uh, as with most paradigms, you know, it's kind of inward looking, and uh, there's a lot of things they kind of accept, and most of all the research on psychological safety has been about finding new ways where it might be useful, and new contexts where it might be applicable. And even though the, the people who work in this field regularly point out that it would be useful to find out whether there are boundary conditions, which means situations where you, you shouldn't probably use it or shouldn't go too high. Nobody's looked at it before. And um, it just occurred to me, you know, to ask you, really? You mean you, you can just push this up forever and it's still a good thing? So uh, that's what we looked at. And for fans of methods, uh, part of the issue here is to look at uh, this question. And the question is, you know, if psychological safety goes really high, does performance start to go down? Is methodologically kind of hard to do. So virtually all studies look at average effects. So they would say at the mean, basically, 
uh, if psychological goes uh, safety goes up, what happens to performance around the mean? Um, and it's hard to look at the sort of tails of the distribution, very high and very low. Well, we had a quite different statistical technique which comes out of economics uh, where you could look at that. Basically, you can look at the effect of psychological safety at every point along the distribution. So if it goes up by 5%, then 5% more, 5% more, 5% more, all the way up to extremely high. And so what we found was once you get above a reasonably high level, then you start seeing every little increment going up further cause job performance to drop. And the job performance we're looking at is everyday job requirements. What do you want a typical person in a typical job to do? We looked across, and this is my colleague Liat's work, five different organizations, five different types of jobs, from nurses to biotech people to IT people, you know, really different kinds of work. And we saw it in every one of those five cases, that if you pushed it up very high, you saw their job performance dropping down. Was there a view of overall organizational performance? Um, well, I guess, first of all, psychological safety, first of all, is an individual. So one individual yeah. may come into the office thinking, feeling very psychologically safe. And another individual, because of their own experiences, even outside of the workplace, come in feeling with a different level of psychological safety just because of their own demeanor and outlook. Uh, so we're, when we're looking at that, is that we're just looking across, like you said, the mean of the of the workers in that organization and what their level was. And then is that, and so you were looking at also the performance means or just the organizational performance in general? You know, we could see the performance of each individual. Oh, okay. So the people who are interested in psychological safety think that it is a kind of climate thing that you would feel. It's not something that is simply in your head, that is, it's not a disposition. You know, it's not that some people just feel psychologically safe and others don't. I mean, it might be that there's something to that, but it is a kind of climate that gets generated by an organization. So we're looking at the performance of the individuals in organizations, how they feel about psychological safety. So this is done by surveys. And this is what's becoming prevalent in organizations is to survey your employees and ask them, you know, how much psychological safety do you do you feel? And again, part of that is I won't be punished for making mistakes. And, you know, if you make that a goal for supervisors to drive that number higher, um, then you're going to get into trouble if you really push it really high. And, you know, my sense talking to practitioners is that they think they should be pushing it higher. It's a good thing. Um, and you should have more psychological safety. And, you know, I think... Um, other people, maybe people with your confirmation bias, maybe have a different different view on this or looking at a different set of issues, maybe think that, uh, you know, consequences kind of do matter. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the issue of having consequences doesn't mean people will necessarily be punished, but it does mean there should be, you know, something that happens. And even if it's just brought to your attention. Corrective and I, action. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the question is, could you feel, if you think psychological safety is about interpersonal harm, 
and you get a really bad performance appraisal, which you might deserve, you know, if you're really late, not following orders and breaking the regulations in a job that's pretty important. Could you imagine getting a really bad psychological, uh, sorry, really bad performance appraisal and not feeling some psychological harm from that? I don't think you could. Right. You know, if my supervisor says, you know, look, Peter, you did a really bad job here. This was really, you know, inappropriate behavior. Could I say, no, that's, yeah, no, I feel fine about that. But I, I would be I don't concerned about an employee who I yeah. gave that kind of feedback right. to and they just, they shrugged it off. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's right. So, you know, it's kind of impossible to imagine that you could have serious consequences and yet not feel some, you know, psychological unsafety from your bosses and the people around you. So that's a problem, you know. So there's a correlation, uh, positive correlation up to some point of psychological safety. But when people felt beyond that level of, of psychological safety, it was a, an inverse relationship yeah. uh, between right. productivity and or performance and and psychological. Why right. would that be? Right, and that's uh, and we found the same thing, by the way. So we found that when you have really low levels of psychological safety, performance is lower, and if you improved it, performance went up. Uh, and I think this kind of makes perfect sense. If you feel that you are constantly at risk, if you feel that you are constantly being punished for even the smallest mistake, if you feel you're going to be ridiculed um, if something goes wrong, um, if you got a nasty, angry boss, basically, it's not too surprising that performance won't be as good as you if as if you have a boss who could back up a little bit and not be so personally um, punitive in the way they treat you. Right. So it's not too surprising that it should go up. And that's a good thing to understand that. And you do want low levels of psychological safety to be addressed in organizations. The question is, once you get it up to a sort of average level, should you be pushing it higher? And what we found is if you pushed it higher, then you started to see performance increase, uh, increases taper off, and then it actually went negative. So it isn't just the case that you get diminishing returns, you know, keep pushing it up, you get less and less. It actually made performance worse. And that's the thing that's worrying, right? So if you're a head of human resources, let's say, and you're uh, trying to survey your supervisors, you're trying to see how the workplace is going, you're trying to hold your supervisors accountable, and you're looking at things like engagement and commitment, and then you add psychological safety measures. And then, you know, what you're thinking is, higher scores on all these are good. You know, no, they're not. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative. Premium background checks with fast and friendly service. At Imperative, we help clients make well-informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. This includes very thorough employment-related background investigations, but also all kinds of due diligence on vendors, clients, investment targets, or even joint venture partners. We're waiting to be of service at imperativeinfo.com. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 133 and enter the keyword safety. That's S-A-F-E-T-Y. And if you're looking for even more recertification credit, check out the webinars page 
at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Peter Capelli. So do you think, is it because managers are, rather than simply treating their employees with respect, um, hearing ideas, giving people an opportunity to stretch boundaries, are moving in order to reach an even higher level of psychological safety, are just moving to what we would call bad management practices, not holding people accountable, those kinds of things? Well, I think you could imagine, given that, that if you had a manager who was really hands-off and wasn't paying much attention, and you asked employees, do you feel that you won't be punished for mistakes? They would say, yeah, I won't be punished for mistakes. The boss isn't really paying much attention to us, and you know, that's great. So you could have a manager who was not paying attention, and they would score quite high on this. And if you had you know, let's say a good manager, and they were being held accountable for their scores on performance, you know, on psychological safety and other aspects of employee attitudes, and you wanted to improve them, you know, you start being more hands-off, more hands-off, and you see your scores going up, and so you say, okay, this is a good thing. Uh, but it's a bad thing for performance. Now, this, this is one of these examples of things that are not really intuitive, and this is a real challenge for human resources because, and I understand the challenge, you know, you're trying to get lots of people to do things more or less together. And if you give them really complicated instructions, it's hard to get that across. So giving them an instruction that says, drive this higher, drive engagement higher, drive all these things higher is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Seems like, you know, an easy thing to do. And uh, it's hard without listening to people who've studied these things carefully, it's hard not to think that that's just what we ought to do because it's easy and simple and straightforward and I can sell it. Um, and I, if I have to tell them, no, wait, wait, you know, not everything super high, um, then it becomes a harder thing to execute. But unfortunately, if you don't execute that, you know, uh, if you don't keep them from pushing it super high, um, then you got a problem. So I would say the thing you want to do is find measure psychological safety and look at where the average level and then tell them good enough. You know, you hit that level, good enough. And if you're not at an average level, we should intervene. So if you're low on psychological safety, we ought to do something about that. But once you hit an average level, declare victory, right? Don't push people to keep going. And like a lot of measures in and any kind of people or leadership, it seems like psychological safety is really a means to an end. It's not the end, right? And so, right. but incentives being what they are, uh, you know, if you set, if that's the incentive, you're going to get more of it if that's where the reward is. And right. so, right. so it seems like it's not as much of finding the sweet spot. Maybe it's a sweet pot spot in that measure, but it's really defining back to the original the you know idea of what is psychological safety how do we build psychological safety so people feel like i can raise my hand i can say things i can you know offer ideas but i have no doubt that ultimately i'm going to be held accountable for the quality of the product I produce. Yeah, and I think another way to, uh, to say it, Mike, is there are different contexts uh, where we want people to do different things. Most of our day-to-day -day jobs, psychological safety is not such a big deal. We're not trying to get people to take risks. 
um, where they might otherwise, you know, get in trouble. We don't want people taking risks in most of their jobs. We don't want them being creative, right? We want them following the rules and complying with stuff. So psychological safety there, not such a big deal. But if you're going to do an offsite and you want people to spend some time, you know, coming up with creative solutions to problems, in that context, you really have to behave differently. So that's another way to think about it too, is that you know, we want you to behave differently when we want different things from our employees. Probably not too surprising, right? It's, it's also true of other things like employee engagement, right? That simply driving employee engagement higher doesn't necessarily lead to better performance. And you know, the problem with, with engagement is it doesn't tell you what's wrong. Right. So I don't feel engaged. Well, okay. What do we fix? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, engagement just means, you know, I don't feel like I'm bring my, all my full resources and things to work. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. So it doesn't tell you what to do in the way that other simpler measures like, like even satisfaction stuff, which is, you know, poo pooed, but at least satisfaction tells you what's wrong. I'm not satisfied with the fairness of my pay. Okay. Well, we know what to look at there. Right. So I think that's another problem this, with these measures, which might have many causes, is that, you know, relying on them really heavily is not going to help you all that much. The bottom line is still the bottom line. Uh, you know, the company has, and that's why I really want to talk to you about your, and I want to read your book, but I mean, the, you know, the, whether it's a for-profit or not-for-profit, the organization exists to execute a mission, right? And yeah, yeah. if we're uh, if we're not executing that mission because we're spending so much time modelly coddling our employees or making sure everybody is happy all the time, uh, or you know not holding them accountable, those kinds of things, it's going to impact negatively impact the organization. And I and I would guess that at some point when you've got this really high, uh, you know probably the wrong flavor, I guess you would say, of psychological mm -hmm. safety at the high end, you're probably in a position where your employees are just not going to be in that position. You're, you're, you're sabotaging their own performance by, by yeah. not holding them accountable, not giving them a chance to improve. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, you know, to to put it maybe in a simple way, uh, psychological safety, slightly complicated idea. And the idea, again, is where well, you want people to be creative, you want to make sure that they don't feel mistakes will be held against them. And you don't want, for sure, any interpersonal harm being made fun of or any of that stuff. You don't want that probably in any case, right? right. Any situation. In regular, everyday jobs, psychological safety, the way it's defined, is not particularly useful anyway. Uh, and that means, you know, a situation where I don't feel my mistakes will be held against me. And if you push it high up in those regular everyday jobs, you're likely to get real problems because we do want people to feel that they will be held accountable and that mistakes will be held against them in regular everyday jobs where you're not trying to be creative, you're executing in a standard way, policies and practices, and we don't want you to be creative in you know most of our everyday work. So you know the, it's the intersection between the fact that we sometimes want people to do two different things, sometimes be creative, but not very often, most of the time, execute in consistent ways, establish rules and procedures. Psychological safety is really important for the creative part, but that's just a small part of what we typically do. And running it up at a high level across 
all our jobs all the time, not particularly useful. So it would, yeah, and just to wrap up, it seems like that would really go back to the to the horse that we beat to death here over ever over and over again in the podcast is this goes back to supervisor and manager training right um, you know treat people with respect let them you know express what their their thoughts are within yep. the boundaries of the job the other thing I you mentioned in the the your uh, article was the the you know the brainstorming session where a leader says at the beginning there's no bad ideas here yep and that's right. just bogus there are bad ideas I yep. mean you know yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know but we're not going to punish you right here for throwing out a bad idea yeah uh, but if you keep throwing out bad ideas you're not going to get invited to the next one yeah I mean you know you're not you're not you're not our best contributor here and we're going to spend your time doing something else right you know it's funny you're mentioning this because I just got out of a class which I teach about how to supervise and the mm -hmm. reason is because we spend so much time in MBA programs teaching people how to be t peers and work in teams but when you're a supervisor you got formal authority over people and one of the problems that I think uh, MBA students have who are all pretty pretty mature is making that transition, right? Where they think their job is to be a team member, but in fact, they're leading the team. And they're often having to tell people things that they don't like. And, you know, you really can't be the therapist for your subordinates, right? And you do sometimes have to make them do things that they don't like and hold them accountable for things which they're not going to be happy about. And uh, that's a big transition for people, you know, to understand that this is not going to be fun time, the fact that I'm a supervisor uh, of this team doesn't make me like the leader of the party, <laughs> you know, the Christmas party. It makes me the boss over people who don't particularly want a boss. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's a great way to close that. Well, that's all the time we have, but I really do appreciate you jumping on with me today, Peter. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperatives Marketing Coordinator, Marianne Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week, and until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.